Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, May 10th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The U.S. is taking emergency action to keep fuel supply lines open after a cyber attack hit a major pipeline. And banks on either side of the Atlantic are split on whether to bring workers back to the office. Plus, American CEOs made a lot of promises about diversity after the George Floyd protests last year. But did they follow through? Corporate America was just really, really far behind. And it takes a long time to turn such slow-moving ships completely around. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. A critical fuel pipeline in the U.S. is still shut down after a cyber attack late last week. The Colonial Pipeline is the country's largest conduit for refined fuel products like heating oil and jet fuel. And so, in order to keep fuel flowing, the U.S. government has enacted emergency powers to make it easier to transport fuel by road. And the reason they want to do this is obviously because the Colonial Pipeline was such an important artery for getting fuel up from the Gulf Coast to the U.S. Northeast. So they want to ease the ability of the country to transport fuel by other means. That's the FT's U.S. energy correspondent, Miles McCormick. I asked him if this is an indication that the Colonial Pipeline might be shut down for a while. I think that's a fair inference to make from it. I mean, that there would be little point in taking such drastic action if there was an expectation that the pipeline would be back up and running tomorrow. Now, the the company, the Colonial Pipeline company, said yesterday evening that it had managed to bring some small parts of its system back online, but that the the main parts of it remained out of action and it didn't give any indication as to when that might change. And just out of curiosity, what did markets do on Sunday? So as trading restarted last night, we saw a jump in gasoline prices. They went up about 4%. Uh, before falling back a little bit again to trade just above where they had previously closed. Could this translate to higher prices at the pump for Americans, especially, you know, as we get into travel season and and the economy starts to reopen? That's a definite possibility. As you say, it's, it's come at a tricky time in terms of demand picking up, both on the back of coronavirus restrictions being loosened and the U.S. heading into driving season. So, It all really comes down to how long Colonial remains closed. And if this does turn out to be a long-term situation where the pipeline isn't opened for the foreseeable future, analysts told me over the weekend that we could expect to see some quite significant moves upwards in, in diesel and gasoline prices. We wanted to let you know that an earlier version of this episode incorrectly identified the emergency order that the U.S. government issued. It's been updated and corrected. As the U.S. and European economies begin to reopen from the pandemic, companies are wondering when to bring workers back to the office. But for companies with offices on both sides of the Atlantic, that decision can be a little tricky. As the FT's banking correspondent Imani Moise reports, U.S. bank executives want a swift return to the office. European executives are being a little more cautious. On the one hand, you have the U.S. banks who are 
making bold announcements saying they're going to call people back to the office as soon as next month um, and telling to to be prepared to um, start going back on a rotational basis at least while the, the pandemic recovery is still ongoing. And then you're seeing on the other end, European banks be very vocal in saying that they're likely to adopt a more flexible approach and allowing people to work from home a few days a week just for the future, even after the pandemic fully subsides. So this seems pretty stark. Why is there such a difference in approach from the two sides? It's dependent on which direction you want to go, but there's a lot of evidence that supports both directions. So on the one hand, JP Morgan CEO JP Diamond spoke about the spontaneity and the creation ideas that happens when people are in person. So he gave the example of taking a trip to California last year and he came back brimming with ideas that he probably wouldn't have gotten from a Zoom meeting. But on the other hand, if you give workers more flexibility to kind of manage their workload wherever they work best, that might boost satisfaction and end up boosting productivity, um, which obviously benefits your bottom line. Now, Amani, is there any concern that workers will, say, leave U.S. banks if they're uncomfortable working in the office or or even vice versa if, you know, European bankers don't want to keep working from home. I think a lot of that remains to be seen. And I think it's probably going to remain fluid, especially over the next few months and maybe into next year. Because at the end of the day, banking is is still very much a people-oriented business. So if you are a hotshot rainmaker at JP Morgan and you bring in a whole bunch of clients and do a whole bunch of business and you say, hey, I don't want to be in the office. Um, I would like to work in my at-home setup in my summer home or something like that. I'm sure they'll make arrangements rather than lose that on talent. But that is the fear that having rigid requirements would cause you to lose talent to competitors with more flexible arrangements. Imani Moise is the FT's U.S. banking correspondent. Thanks, Imani. Thank you. In the U.S., the police murder of George Floyd last year pushed many corporations to speak out publicly about systemic racism in the country and in their companies. They made pledges to increase diversity and promote inclusion, and they promised $50 billion to promote racial equality. The FT's Taylor Nicole Rogers has been looking into whether these companies have been keeping their promises. She joins me now. Hi, Taylor. Hey. So after all the rhetoric, what, if anything, has changed and and how much of the promised funding has actually been spent or, or allocated? So we evaluated these promises in a couple of different areas. We looked at the money that was pledged, how much of it has actually been spent or dedicated to a specific initiative. And the answer is not much. The best estimate we could find was about $250 million out of about $40 billion that was promised. And now, of course, many of those pledges you know, had five-year or 10-year timeframes to begin with. But you know, as one of the people we spoke to pointed out, those can always be walked back in future years if we have another unforeseen economic event like a pandemic. Uh, we also looked at hiring and pay equity. We've seen a lot more companies release data about their own efforts, but you know, the companies that have released the data are the ones that were already doing well. So it's unclear if the companies that were already behind on pay equity have made significant changes or have made any gains in that area. Do you have an example of a company that's doing this really well? No, and I think that's that's the problem. <laughs> Do you have an example of a company that's doing this sort of well? Um, there there are a couple companies that stand out. One that people really like to talk about is Goldman Sachs because they've released a very very public pledge to spend billions of dollars on Black women. They've you know really tried to up the profile of some of their partners who are Black women and have tried to say publicly that this is something they're committed to doing. The thing that holds me back from saying that they're a, you know, a beacon of 
diversity and inclusion at work is that, you know, as we've seen, there are a lot of entry-level analysts and summer associates who say that they haven't been treated fairly. Just out of curiosity, what what are what's holding things up? Is it there's there's less scrutiny? Has the um, urgency of George Floyd worn off? I think that is part of it. But the other part of it is that corporate America was just really, really far behind. And it takes a long time to turn such slow moving ships completely around. So it will take a while. Some companies did not have anyone in their C-suite looking at diversity and they had to launch a hiring process in the middle of a pandemic. Other companies you know, tried to do things that would make them look great, but didn't make any meaningful changes. And the hard part for me right now is trying to tell the difference between the two groups. Yeah, what is the difference between the two? What would you say is something that's kind of um, a, a surface level change just for aesthetics versus actual meaningful change in the scenario? The experts tell me that the most important signal of a company that is making meaningful changes is the data that they have. Are they collecting data on their employees, their backgrounds, their experiences, how satisfied they are, how quickly they're leaving, how quickly they're being promoted and rising through the ranks? And are they sharing that data with other people? So that, I think, is the telltale sign of a company that is really trying to make a change versus a company that is trying to keep their shareholders off their backs. Taylor Nicole Rogers is our race and equality correspondent. Thank you, Taylor. Thanks for having me. And before we go, today, two private equity firms are set to square off at an auction in a U.S. federal bankruptcy court. They're bidding for the rental car company Hertz. One of the firms, Knighthead Capital, is leading a group that set the company's value at $6.2 billion. A rival bid will come from a group led by Center Bridge Partners. Hertz wants to lock in a deal and exit Chapter 11 bankruptcy by the beginning of July. That's the company's busiest season, and it's especially crucial this year as the economy begins to reopen from the pandemic and the travel industry hopes for a recovery. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. This is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.